Good morning, Natasha. How are you doing today? Good morning. Doing great, Arrow. Thanks for having me on your show. Absolutely. Let's talk about this book cover. I, I, it's got to be marketed. It's got to be turned into T-shirts. It's got to be turned into things you can hang on the wall. There's, it, it is whoever put this book cover together really, really touches a lot of bases. The creator is Max Avery, and he's awesome. <laughs> Very talented. It just, you know, when, when you look at the title of the book, and then you look at the, the, the front cover, you're going, oh, well, the, that's, that's perfect. That's exactly what's going on here. Yeah, well, you know, we couldn't have any Muppets on the cover because that's IP infringement. Right. So I was like, so what, what could we do that evokes evokes <laughs> and and the chaos and the violence we experienced you know making a puppet show in post-soviet russia <laughs> what what was it that inspired the original first steps into doing this i mean i i get mcdonald's i get you know things like that but, but to take uh you know something like a sesame street over to russia what 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 was the goal well, you know, ironically, uh, then Senator Biden spearheaded congressional uh, approval for Ulitsa uh, Sazam, which means Sesame Street in Russia. So a Russian version of the show. And initially this this came right after the Soviet empire uh, had collapsed. So 1992, it's a year after the the empire imploded and countries like you know, former republics like Ukraine were breaking off, Armenia, Georgia, and becoming independent countries. And the idea was that the Muppets could uh, really model idealistic values for uh, post-Soviet, mm -hmm. you know, children and provide the skills that children needed in order to thrive, you know, in a more open society. Tolerance, uh, you know, inclusivity, uh, freedom of expression. See, and that's that's what I got as a child when I was watching Sesame Street as it was. I mean, I mean, it, I, I totally grasped that. And, and but it also involved creating new characters in Russia, too, didn't it? Like like uh, the, the female uh, uh, Elmo Zoe. Yeah, absolutely. And that's great that you remember that was the first female Muppet that was created for the U.S. show uh, for Sesame Street show. And uh, the Russians, uh, we had to create three new original Muppets uh, the in for Ulysses Sazam, and they were based on Russian folklore. They were very much uh, the first, uh, the, the body side, the body size Muppet, Zeliboba, is larger than Big Bird, and he's um, a tree spirit. So the idea for him came from Russian uh, folklore of a character named uh, Domovoy, which is the uh, hearth and uh, uh, the home, you know, to, he's a character that protects the hearth in the home. And his costume, the way he was constructed, he was built by uh, Ed Christie, who was the designer at the Henson Studios in collaboration with the Russian creative team. And he has bits of moss and grass and twigs uh, sewn into his costume so that he's at one with nature. And his character lives inside a 40-foot tree uh, <laughs> with a little post box on the front of the tree. So that's very Russian. And oh the other two God. characters were equally uh, imaginative. I want one of those. <laughs> I, mean, I really do. <laughs> Man, you just brought the kid out in me just like that. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
So you had to work one on one with the, the with the cultural effects then, because I mean, even with Big Bird and the the you know the the Orthodox Church, I mean that, that that's a, that's an interesting way that you you worked with the people, and it wasn't just this big gigantic American thing that was headed into another country. No, we had a team of, um, there were only a couple of Americans on site in uh, Moscow, and our creative team numbered about 400. And that included writers, producers, set designers, animators, filmmakers, uh, you know, puppeteers, actors. It was a tremendous team, which we pulled from the very top of, uh, you know, post-Soviet artistic society. We had Russians, Ukrainians, Armenians. I mean, everybody was working together in Russia's largest TV station. And, you know, we had enormous um, hope for what this show could do to change the way children think in the future. And this also involved, uh, you know, educators who then debated uh, what what the show should actually teach, you know, what should the writers be writing about, what skills and values needed to be uh, addressed in this new children's puppet show. And as you said, there were a lot of cultural clashes because, uh, you know, people had been living under communism mm-hmm. for 70 years. We come from a society with democracy for 200 years. We were very different cultures. And there were issues like, you know, the writers initially were writing scripts and they were very uh, dark. Uh, first of all, they were like submitting scripts that were 10 pages long and totally unusable, not funny for a comedy show. And, you know, one writer submitted a script where he wanted to teach the letter D as in D for depression. Mm. Mm. So it was like, a lot of this was very funny, which I write about in the book. You know, just some of the stuff we encountered was, uh, you know, hilarious, but also heartbreaking. The book we're talking about is Muppets in Moscow. Were you heavily watched? Because, I mean, that's the one thing I've always learned about the propaganda and stuff like that, is that if you visit Moscow, you, you're going to be followed and, and people are going to watch you very carefully. That was absolutely true uh, when it was the Soviet Union. And after the Soviet Union collapsed, the there was there was not a lot of watching mm. i would say there was more complete chaos that the central government you know was falling apart they were the 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 president at the time was quite weak which is why you had you know all these rise of the oligarchs and the kleptocracy which later led to everything that you know putin's rule uh, encapsulated um so no there wasn't a lot of there i it was quite free i mean compared to what had been uh even a couple of years before and i had been filming in the soviet union for 10 years before i speak russian had been you know embedding with uh fascists who didn't want to see the soviet union overthrown um the right wing of the of the political spectrum in russia uh, in the soviet union at that time so it was a completely different feel in the 1990s from the 1980s in russia and now it's a completely different feel oh my god no you know and and yes i when i went back in january of 2020 which i did to interview my former colleagues this was just before the pandemic uh, the atmosphere felt very similar to the 1980s. You know, I was horrified. It was it was heartbreaking to see this, and even more heartbreaking now to see what's going on in Ukraine. Can you 
imagine if, if you could put, you know, the American version of Sesame Street in Russia now, because it seems like they're, they're, I, everything I read, the people are lost. They're torn. They don't know what to think. They don't know what to do. And, and it's just it's it's but it needs leadership in some way. And I think that it has to start with the young minds first. Well, yeah, I mean, it's impossible right now. Exactly. I mean, our show aired in 1996, yep. became a huge hit. And it ran for 10 years on Russia's uh, two top TV stations. It was hugely popular, you know, across 11 time zones. It was being uh, broadcast into uh, Georgia, Armenia, Ukraine. I mean, you know, look, you know, Russia and Ukraine are at war now. This couldn't be a, a more different environment than what we experienced, you know, 30 years ago. And yet, you know, my feeling is that by by writing about this story about the Muppets during this time period, it reveals a lot about uh, Russian culture, the people and history and gives, um, you know, reflects on um, important information that we need to understand today if we're ever going to get out of this. And as you say, you know, wars do end and there you know, we do hope there will be an opportunity to bring Sesame Street to Russia again. You just you have to have that kind of hope. I'll, I'll tell you, putting my mind inside the book and going through the different chapters and the paragraphs and things like that, I did think of, you know, and I, I kept going, what year was this? What year was this? And then I and then I compared it to where we stand now in 2022. There are actually young men and women who are on that battlefield right now that were affected by the, the, the Russian version of Sesame Street. And there's got to be morals and things that they hold that to this day that, you know, they're going, no, I'm not going to do this because I learned a different way. I was talking to many of them on WhatsApp, my former colleagues, um, and I thought, oh, of course, they grew up on Ulitsa Sazam. But then I was thinking what you thought, too. Like a couple seconds later, I was like, oh, my God. And and the Ukrainians who are fighting you know, for independence, mm -hmm. they also grew up on our show. So I agree with you. I mean, it's, it's Sesame Street's legacy. It's a, an amazing nonprofit company that, you know, is still doing uh, such great work around the world. In chapter number five, you, you really put, uh, oh, first of all, I, I got to tell you, the way that you designed that, that chapter, the way that it started out, it's so incredibly beautiful. And then the phone call. I mean, I, I, I literally stopped and I had to breathe because everything was, you know, it, it just led me right to that phone call. Oh, Wow. Thank you. <laughs> it, it was, what, what an emotional moment. But at the same time, what, what a moment of realism. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of which you're talking the about. The car blowing the, up. Uh, the car blowing up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, um, it's, I'm, it, I'm grabbing my book and looking. I'm like, what, which phone call? Yeah. I'm like, there were so many phone calls. <laughs> and there's something was getting assassinated or whatever, you know. But that, that, that particular phone call, you know, was, was quite early on in the production process, hence Chapter 5. Uh, and after uh, negotiating a thrilling um, uh, sponsor, you know, a sponsor who could finance the Russian portion of the show, because although the U.S. Uh, government, USAID, was going to put some money in, all the funds had to be matched by Russian funding. So the Russians had skin in the game. That was the perspective. And we found a sponsor who agreed to commit uh, financing to support the show, which was, you know, incredible. It took months to get this meeting. 
And uh, the meeting went very well. Uh, he, you know, I was with my co my business colleague, Leonid Zagalski, and he's like imitating the Muppets, you know, and, and, and dancing and singing, you know, to pitch the show to this guy. And he finally agrees. And um, as we're doing the uh, paperwork for the deal, um, his car is blown up. Yep. Uh, and he's in a he's he is severely burned and uh, he ends up going to London to get treatment. He 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 survives. Uh, but that's the end of the deal. And of course, I get this phone call and I'm I'm just, you know, devastated, um, but also thinking, oh, my God, I was in that car three weeks before the explosion. Mm. So it was like it was very it was a little too close for comfort. You know, that was the first one. And there were you know, multiple situations after that where our broadcast partners, our Russian broadcast partners were assassinated. Um, you know, these were great, great men who were trying to change Russia, bring press freedom to their country and create a better future for their country and for children using our show on the TV station. And, you know, these people were murdered, you know, one after yeah. the other. It was, it was incredible and you know, they were friends. They were people who I went to to ask advice. They they knew about Russian TV industry, and we were trying to navigate in that, you know, really uh, surreal environment. See, that's what I love about this book. It gives me the backstory. We all assume that because things are going great, that it must have been a great journey. And, oh, my God, let's celebrate. Let's have a victory. Let's play cool in the gang celebration, things like that. But it's the backstory that, you know, it, it embraces us in the now, but it also teaches the future. It's not going to be easy, but people have done this before you got here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we need backstories like this. We need to understand that, that it, it wasn't just handed to you. I mean, I mean, the goal was always laughter and learning. I mean, that, that seems so easy, but you're, you're proving to us, no, it wasn't really that easy. We, we had a struggle. I think it's also, you know, where we in America often expect that, you know, countries will mirror us. And, you know, as you know, you know, you look at Latin America, you look at the Middle East, countries are different. They come from different places. They have different histories. And, you know, the the American assumption that you can, you know, go in there and, you know, change a country overnight or whatever you're trying to do is really naive. I mean, you if we were very, very successful. And I mean, after this show aired, uh, you know, and became such a huge hit across the country, you know, I had corporations like Coca-Cola call me and say, hey, you know, we're trying to, you know, penetrate the Russian market. And mm -hmm. it's a huge market. And we saw how successful you were with Sesame Street. So, you know, maybe you could come work for us. And I was like, no, nah, I don't think so. You know, <laughs> selling sugary water drinks is not really where my my heart is. I'm sorry. Uh, but, you know, it was it was part of it was that I, you know, our entire team was was uh, ready to listen, ready to collaborate and work together, and um, and also compromise on uh, in ways that were really important to respect people's cultures. Um, that said, you know, I'm saying this today in the context of what's happening in the midst of a war uh, between Russia and Ukraine, and I'm very aware that it's a completely different environment right now. Um, and so, you know, I, this. What I tried to do in writing this book and what I realized as the book was, you know, coming out uh, a few months 
after the war between Russia and Ukraine has started is um, I've just heard from readers that say this is such a great deep dive mm-hmm. into Russian culture and values and helps us understand the background for some of how we got to this point today. Because Putin is consistently using the 1990s uh, as a narrative to justify his authoritarianism. So we need to understand what happened in the 1990s if he's going to keep talking about that. Yeah, yeah. This this is that journalist inside of you, the 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 the, the, the journalist who did the documentaries that were underground. I mean, you did so much before this moment. I mean, it's it's got to be. A, how do you personally learn from that person that took those initial first steps? Because you're always the student. I'm I'm still a student. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and always fascinated. You know, now really fascinated by the Middle East, and you know, always trying to learn. But the but the um, you know the the period that I was in the Soviet Union in the 1980s absolutely informed the uh, creation of Sesame Street in Russia. Uh, you know, an example of that is, uh, you know, I took the job in in part because I had made um, a film about underground rock and roll <laughs> and um, had written about the um, uh, repression of the LGBTQ community in Russia. Uh, It wasn't called that then, um, at least not in Russian. And um, I, I, you know, I I had, I was very aware that if we did this show, if we created Sesame Street in Russia, that many of these people who had been persecuted, um, a, a lot of artists, animators, you know, they, I could hire them. Yeah. I could hire them and we could work together and make this, you know, amazing show. And under communism, the Russian rock musicians, they couldn't work. They couldn't record their music. They couldn't sell their music. They were, um, the state owned the means of production, the studios. So um, when we made Sesame Street, we, we were able to include a lot of these people and um, and other young people who, my um, my American colleague, uh, Robin Hessman, knew a bunch of young uh, people from the film department as well. And so we were able to bring all these people into the fold and on our team. And the music for this show is phenomenal. <laughs> you know, even the American uh, Sesame Street puppeteers and the producers from the American show were astounded at the artistry. I personally was not. I mean, look, they're, they, 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 you know, the people wrote, these are the same people, who, you know, Dostoyevsky, Turgenev, Chekhov, uh, Stravinsky, <laughs> you know, I mean, all these people, these are, this is a great, a great uh, culturally rich uh, nation who has given a number of, um, you know, who's, has contributed greatly to world culture. Um Man, Natasha, you've got to come back to this show anytime in the future. I love your story. I love your heart. And you're still reaching forward. And I, we just we just got to keep talking sometime. I would love that. Absolutely love that. Excellent. Just contact me anytime, Arrow. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Will you be brilliant today, okay? Thank you. And I wish you a happy, happy holidays.